Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Needed someone to understand my ups and downs. There you were. Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphian, also host of the Jeff Calkins Show from 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He is on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, how's it going? I'm good, you? I am doing well. I know you tried to search for the coldest job in Memphis right now. Did you, what did, what yeah. did you learn? What did we, what did we surmise? What did we get I, to? I what was the conclusion? I didn't really find the coldest job. I think a lot of people pointed to the FedEx hub, the people who are out there were loading planes and stuff. Other people, HVAC, you know, if you're working on HVAC stuff, I didn't have some job that I hadn't thought of. I didn't stumble upon a job that I hadn't thought of that is, in fact, the coldest. I mean, someone said sanitation workers, and obviously that's a really hard job, but at least my sanitation workers haven't been out doing, you know, doing the job this week and God bless them. I wouldn't expect them to, but, um, uh, folks who deliver the mail, but my mail hasn't come this week. Has yours come this week? Nope. I have not had mail, <laughs> newspaper, but the, the, the various things I have delivered to my the service that comes to my home, which is, uh, sanitation and mail and the newspaper. None have come to my home. Although I did get a UPS package delivered to my door. So, Okay. Um, and again, I don't blame anyone from for for not for for staying in. I think almost all it, my my assessment of this entire episode has been that everyone's just staying in. Like that's and that's sort of what's happened here. There were more people out. Like I drove. It is funny. I guess it's just a sensibility that comes from growing up in Buffalo. Um, and I'm not like ah, you people don't. Know. It's not at all it. But I just. Uh, Jarvis asked me to come down and do his uh, Grizzly show that he does once a week right. down there, and so to that I I had to drive down to FedEx for him to like to tape the show to I mean, to, to do that show, and it's fine. There were more people on the road today, though. There's no question. Like it's a little more. Uh, it's a it's not it's a little more. It, it's just like the last two days. The roads you've had the roads to yourself, basically. Yep. Today it didn't feel like you had the roads to yourself. Today it was a little more, a little more hectic on the road. So maybe a little more perilous. But even today, it is funny though. Right now, I'm driving down West Crestwood, 
And it's just sheer white. It is yep. sort of amazing. Like, it, it, there's not, I can see no pavement, not a single piece of pavement. So, uh, but tomorrow, it may be tomorrow, and at least you can toast, toast, you can wa- you can run your washer now, you can dry your clothes now, and you can uh, toast a bagel now. So, yep. things are looking up. Yeah, um, it's also cold in the uh, Service Master by Cornerstone Studios here at 92.9. So, can I, can I have a late submission there? It's always pretty cold in here. It's. Yeah, there was one guy who called in today who said that um, that he works loading beer and that, like, normally it's cold when you walk into a beer cooler, right? He delivers beer to right. places. Now you sort of go to the beer cooler to warm up. Like it was a, and so that that was an interesting call I got today uh, about that. But um, I do have great sympathy for anyone who has to be out there in the cold uh, uh, working on this stuff because it's been – it's been pretty severe, but it is. It was nice that the order was lifted or the suggestion or whatever the heck it was. And it's nice that now tomorrow's, I guess, going to be nasty in a different way, right? Freezing rain or whatever else. We have a winter storm warning, I think, tomorrow and a different sort. So uh, we're not we're not done with this yet, but um, but uh, but it feels somehow it feels like to me anyway the worst is over. Now, uh, quick. Tip of the cap to yeah. all of the great people over at the Daily Memphian who have been all over this Diamond Sports Group story. Um, of course, Diamond Sports Group owns Bally Sports, which has a bunch of RSNs, regional sports networks, including our, uh, our, our great broadcast that we have on Bally Sports Southeast for the Grizzlies games. Um, but today, there was sort of a, a, a news drop about Amazon Prime and Diamond Sports right. getting into an agreement of some sort. Um, it looks like NBA attorneys have, have yet to really sift through all the details and, and, and figure the whole thing out. Um, but everybody, it sort of felt like when it, when it was first dropped today, it was open shut. Oh, we're going to watch our NBA games for our, our, our regional sports networks on, on Prime Video, on Amazon Prime. But it doesn't feel like that is uh, the, the sort of final um, decision that's going to be made. We're going to have to still sit by and watch. What can you sort of tell me about what you guys have figured out? Drew Hill and I think Chris Harrington have done a good job yeah, of covering they've this. They've been on it, and they it, it, listen. If you if you and I, I think the instinct was to say, oh, Amazon's going to own part of uh, you know this whatever, and so therefore I'm only going to be able to watch because he's on Amazon Prime. You know, we live in a world where you you just could watch an NFL playoff game on Peacock, and so I right. think that was the instant reaction that some had and i know chris and drew i don't think the grizzlies had any comment on the on the matter but chris and drew have been working on it and as they pointed out the teams so so in order to get through this year the teams and bally reached an agreement such that that went through the end of this year but it severed at the end of this year like there's no agreement between the teams and diamond sports group that extends beyond this year. So to immediately assume that that just because Amazon and Diamond Sports Group are now linked up, you're going to are going to be on Amazon ignores sort of the reality that all of this is going to have to be negotiated with the teams and the league. And so it may well end up that the Grizzlies are on Amazon. Um, but to say that with any definitive uh, you know, uh, conclusion is wildly, wildly premature. Um, it's too bad. Like, I think we would like to know, and you know, mostly people just would, people would like to know that they'd be able to, you know, get Pete and Brevin and, and, you know, that they're going to have to pay more to do it. That's really what yep. people want to know. Um, but yes, 
it feels like it's it's this is all very much yet to be negotiated and up in the air. Now, what do you think about like more teams going the Phoenix Suns route? We know that Matt Ishbia, their new owner, decided to put it on local TV uh, for free, where they're not going to make a, a, a make money off of the whole thing, but they're going to. The thought process was to get it to more people in the state of Arizona, get more Phoenix Suns right. fans on board. How like do we see that that potentially being a direction, or will a lot of these teams? And I know we're just speculating at this point. Will a lot of these teams still? Um, go in the direction of a regional sports network where they're going to be able to make the money off of it. Well, that's the thing, is that, again, this isn't TV, is our contract's not my area of expertise, but right. the, the Grizzlies already operate in a world where they have dramatically, on a whole bunch of different fronts, less revenue than than other teams. It's one of the reasons why, by the way, when people ask about Robert Perra and the other owners kicking in for the stadium, um, they're like, uh, you know, I mean, they had, no one said this. No one's quoted on this at all. But it's it's like, well, we already, um, you know, it's it, don't make money because we get so much dramatic, less revenue than everybody else on a whole lot of fronts. So, um, and so if, I, I, my suspicion is that what the Grizzlies really like is getting someone to cut them a check. Right. You know? <laughs> yes. like that's what they want. They want a regional sports network or someone else. They're not as fit to do what the Suns did as the Suns are. I, 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 I mean, they have the capacity to do it. In other words, I was over at Grind City Studios today, and they certainly could go direct to the people and whatever else, but it's a much smaller, poorer region. They have, uh, they have their other revenues are smaller. They don't, they don't have an you know, they're an airline sponsor, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't have – so they're already missing other revenues. And then if you take away their – basically their local TV revenues, I suspect they won't be very happy about it. So my, my what I imagine – and, again, I'm, I'm just speculating here. What I imagine that the Grizzlies really want would be someone who would pay them a check for their TV rights, cut them a check for their TV rights, not – oh, gosh, we could go direct to the people and maybe this will drum up more enthusiasm for the Grizzlies and we'll be able to sell advertising on it. There's fewer eyeballs than in Phoenix, and so the advertising won't be nearly um, as remunerative. So I don't think it's a world that the Grizzlies, again, I think they're equipped to deal with it, certainly technologically in terms of their creativity and everything else, but I don't think it's what they would favor I think they favor money coming in the door. Now, for people that are freaking out about this conversation and thinking they have to go get an Amazon Prime membership right this second, <laughs> you don't. You still no. you still will be able to enjoy Bally Sports on your cable package for the time being. So if, if anybody's freaking out about that, let me let me go ahead and ease those fears. Go ahead Certainly no those. changes through the end of the year. There, yes. There's no changes through the end of the year. And at that point, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Gigi Jackson, speaking of the Grizzlies right this second, Gigi Jackson is a big point of discussion. We have two straight 20-point games. Um, he's uh, one of the youngest players to ever do that alongside LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and I think people are very, very excited about that, as they should be. I did hear Michael Wallace, who uh, works for Grind City Media and also does some of the uh, analyst work with the Grizzlies Radio Network, he basically said when we talk about upside and the type of prospect Gigi Jackson is, he thinks he's second, um, or at least he's the best since John Morant, are you are you there on that on that same page? I know that we have a long way before we know what Gigi Jackson is, how he fits in to this team. But as a prospect and what he can bring to the floor, do you sort of agree with that sentiment? Well, I mean, let's be honest; it hasn't. That's not a particularly high bar, right? Who, who else? 
since the Grizzlies drafted John Morant, who else? I mean, given what has happened with them, you know, I mean, obviously the Grizzlies didn't think that he was as good a prospect as as Jake Laravia or uh, you know or, or any of the any of the players they drafted in the first round. So um, they didn't think that. Right now, knowing what has happened with David Roddy and Jake Laravia and even Zaire Williams, uh, I think it's fair to say that that he holds more promise than either of them. Does he hold more promise than Vince Williams? I don't think so at this point. Like mm-hmm. right now, Vince Williams is, if not a proven commodity, a, a much more proven commodity than Gigi. Um, so, and it was interesting because on the, on Jarvis's show today, Mike Wallace was on there. And the question was, um, has Vince Williams and Gigi Jackson answered the questions at small forward? Are they the small forwards? of the future. And Mike Wallace said that if next year those were the two small forwards, he'd be very happy about that. He'd be mm-hmm. totally content. And I think that may well, I mean, the happy, the nice thing is we don't have to decide it now. You get the whole right. rest of the year to, to, to we'll see what Gigi Jackson does. Right. I do think it ignores the fact that Marcus Smart is still like <laughs> right. p- part of this team. Like he's part of the answer, or at least immediate, the immediate answer on this team. And then I think I'm very confident that Vince Williams is part of the answer. And I, and I'm very hopeful that Gigi Jackson will be part of the answer. Will he be, you know, will he be the fourth perimeter player next year? Where does he fit in compared to, um, you know, Luke, where does he, like, I think those are all interesting questions and thank God for it because it gives us a reason to watch the rest of this year. Let's be honest. Those two players are the biggest reason to watch the rest of this year. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Like, the discussion, though, with Gigi Jackson, I think it's all at the polls, and I don't know if there's a lot of middle ground. There's a lot of people that are pressing on the gas and saying, oh, Gigi's going to be a future all-star. This guy's going to be unbelievable for this team. Look at the look at the, uh, the three-point shooting. Look at his offensive bag. He's long. He had two blocks and two steals in the last, uh, the last game out. Like, there's a lot of people that are pedal to the floor. There's a lot of people, though, that are sort of tapping the brakes and like, okay, let's see what he looks like for the rest of the season. I would imagine if I know you you're probably in the in that in that yeah, latter yeah. category no i'm no i'm in the middle i'm very hopeful i'm not really to willing to claim an all-star but i'm very hopeful i'm i think it's incredibly promising um i think all these other players who they've you know thrown darts at have been given chances and have not given really anyone you know occasionally zaire will there'll be a glimpse and you're like oh maybe zaire you know you don't have to manufacture hope when it comes to Gigi. He manufactures it just watching them on the court. So I'm extremely hopeful. But I, the nice thing is is that we don't have to decide if he is the answer at small forward right now. Right. We can just say, this is great. We get to, you don't have to even decide if you're going to if you're going to, you know, have him on a real contract. It was interesting though. Chris Harrington did uh, report um, over the Daily Mountain and, and I, I was glad he offered some clarity on this. Um, his two his two way deal is not through two years. It was just this year. So at the end of this year, Gigi Jackson will be. They can make him a restricted free agent, um, but that's basically it. And so, if you don't pay him and you don't give him a, a an NBA deal, someone else will. And so I do think, and only you know, certainly if he does anything close to what he's been doing. Uh, he will be getting a, you know, he'll be getting an NBA deal for next year. So I'm very hopeful, but I don't, I, I don't think you need an answer about what he's going to be right now. Right. And 
I guess the instinct to reach for just turned nineteen. Is, after all, he's great for sports talk radio, but I don't need to proclaim him an all star now. I'll proclaim him a great, promising, you know, piece for the future, and I can't wait to see, you know, how he does on this road trip. Yeah, talking with Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X. Now we had the one trade early in the season with James Harden. Uh, you know, not wanting to play for the 76ers. He's doing a good job with the Clippers. But we had our, our first real big yeah. um, trade of the uh, of the year as we uh, approach the trade deadline. Raptors send uh, Pascal Siakam to the Pacers. Uh, Bruce Brown Jr. and three first-round picks will go to the Raptors. Uh, again, I think this is this satisfies the needs of both sides. But what do you think about Pascal Siakam with, with the Pacers? Certainly makes them more fun. Uh, you, you definitely uh, think about the two-man game between him and, and Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I don't think it makes them a championship contender, but again, not every trade has to make you a championship contender as long as you're taking the steps to make yourself a championship contender. Yeah, it makes them better, and and you know they they can score a hell of a lot of points, and they can't stop anyone, and so uh, he will help from that perspective. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he how he does playing, you know, off of Tyrese Halliburton, I think, certainly. It makes them better. And the other thing is, if you look at the three firsts, and you think, well, that's kind of expensive, but two of the firsts are this year in a what everyone acknowledges is a bad draft. And um, and they are, you know, likely going to be, they're going to likely be in the 20s or something like that, you know. And then one of the picks is Indiana's pick next year. And if things go well, again, we've seen what injuries can do to a team. But if things go well for Indiana, go as they expect, that will also be a pick in the 20s. So if you're Toronto and you've been rebuilding and you deal OG and Pascal Siakam and 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 you get three mediocre firsts, for Pas- uh, is that going to excite you? Of the two, I would be much more excited as a Pacers fan today than – as a Raptors fan today, mm-hmm. well, Raptors they they got to rebuild. They got to they got to find something. Right. I think they have some things to build off of. Though Scotty Barnes looks like he could be a future All Star. Yeah, I, I, I like I like Emmanuel quickly. R.J. Barrett seems to have worked out at least in the early going. They have some young right. players, and they have those first round picks to go make something happen with. And I would imagine right. Masai Ujiri, knowing his uh, track record, is not going to sit on his hands. No, I, and it is, I mean, it's very clearly Scotty Barnes' team now, right? I yeah. think that's sort of the, you know, that's sort of what's happening there. And quickly is a nice piece. And, um, yeah, in the end, it goes to show, like, I think they probably once thought, you know, we got a good core. We got OG, and we got Scotty, and we got Pascal Siakam. And and a good core does not always translate to, to what you, you know, what they had hoped, obviously. Now, Siakam won a title. I think he was still part of that title team. So, um, yeah. but, but, um and, and and one of the interesting things is, as compared to the Grizzlies core, the Grizzlies core logically, you know, Dez, Ja, Jaron, like those pieces all fit. They all do have different jobs, different roles. The pieces in Toronto never fit, you know. There's, there's too much sameness there. And so they very clearly are, are starting over. And, and, uh, and, and I think Indiana, yeah, it's tough in the East. So they're not going to be the best team in the East, but they will clearly be a better team seems to me today than they were yesterday. They'll be a good league pass team for sure. There's no doubt right. about that. They already are, but yeah. that much better, yes. Yeah. Now, uh, Tiger basketball, they're going to take on South Florida tomorrow, um, 6 p.m. Uh, and, and really, uh, there's always something to talk about. I don't really want to talk about what they're going to see in, in USF because I don't know if you have any uh, substantial takes on South Florida as a basketball <laughs> no, team. I do not. Um, but yeah. Jordan Brown, I, 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 there's um, sort of the – I know you're a, you're a middle ground guy, but are you uh, team 
give him another shot or or don't mess up a good thing. Team worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Don't mess up a good thing. I, I would be more team don't mess with a good thing than I would be team give him another shot. But I do admire the consistency of Penny Hardaway. You know, that Penny, it feels like, and we've said this before, but it feels like he's always the guy that lines up on the side of the player. Yep. And so, it, 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 and let's be honest, Penny has a much better feel for this team and the, the locker room and everything else than, than either of us do. Yep. And so if Penny deems it to be a fit, um, you know, you can just imagine some situation where someday, uh, you know, someone tweaks a, Tweaks a hamstring. And They're one injury away in the front court from being yeah, very thin. Exactly. And all of a sudden you got Jordan Brown to throw in there. Now, he wasn't – he was bad. He was really – he wasn't just bad. He was mostly not playing earlier when he was a part of this team. And so who knows what he'll contribute or – but he's not going to be counted on to contribute much. And if all he contributes is someday he comes in and he gets your rebound or whatever. So I would – like, I think it's a really good thing that they have going on right now. So I would lean towards let's not disrupt this good thing. But um, it doesn't surprise me if Penny would conclude otherwise. And it'd be kind of a nice story if someday Jordan Brown, uh, the prodigal center, comes back and does something to help this team get to the second weekend. If I'm speculating, though, we, uh, when he was on the way out, there were some rumors about him not liking his playing time and his role within right. the team. I don't think that's going to change if he does come it's back. Worse. It'll be it'll, it'll be worse. substantially worse. Right. He'll be the fourth out of four bigs that will hit the floor. Um, but the fact that he sort of came back last Friday and tried to apologize to the team, they didn't seem all that high on the idea, but if he's apologizing to the team, that does sort of lead me to believe that he is willing to let uh, bygones be bygones and he may not complain about uh, uh, the, the, the playing time conversation. Because I, I would imagine, you know, out there on the open market dealing with trying to get pro contracts, maybe that didn't right. go his way. No, I, I think so much of it is, so much of life is like expectations. So, so if he came in here expecting to be a focal point and um, expecting a certain number of minutes and certain whatever, and uh, and he didn't, he goes, you know, he, he goes stomping off. If he comes back, I'm sure it's with <laughs> with much clearer expectations, given, you know, that, they, that they've, they've added another big in his absence, and I'm sure Penny was very clear I have no doubt that Penny was very clear about what his role on this team would be. And so if he came back, presumably it would be having concluded, okay, um, I understand my role and I'm going to live with it.
right? I mean, I don't, yeah. I, I, you would think. And so, um, yeah, I would be hopeful in that regard that, that, that it would have been laid out pretty clearly to him and that he would have to earn his, earn his keep, earn uh, his time. Now, last thing for you, are we going to be, t- uh, Talking about uh, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers being Jim Harbaugh here soon. You expect that to go that way? Lot, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Jeffrey doesn't because um, he doesn't think. Well, you know, he, he's never believed in in Herbert, right? He's, well, <laughs> and, that's probably most he, of it, right? And then, he, and then he doesn't. Well, and then he thinks the Chargers are cheap. I think it makes sense because I think Harbaugh does believe in Herbert. And the other thing is, if it's the L.A. market, Chargers have not mattered since they moved to L.A. If Jim Harbaugh becomes the coach, all of a sudden, I think they matter. And mm-hmm. so I think just from that perspective, the the hire makes all the sense in the world from the Chargers. It must be frustrating to be in L.A. and just, you know, have your stadium fill up every every Sunday with fans from another team. And I just think... It is the perfect high-profile hire for a team that has really not mattered and that has, let's be honest, underachieved. What has Jim Harbaugh done at Michigan? He's overachieved. You know, yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's not like they don't have talent at Michigan, but that team was greater than the sum of the parts, and the Chargers have always been less than the sum of the parts. So to me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I'm already doing my Michigan head coach hot, hot board. If that tells you how I think this ends. <laughs> I'm already. Well, I'm already trying to figure it out. Isn't there, isn't that guy already on campus? Sharon Moore. Yeah. Eh, sure. Maybe. I don't maybe. know. I I brought I'm up Mike Vrabel, but I know Ohio. I I brought up Mike Vrabel, but I know Ohio State State fans would lose yeah. their mind about that. Yeah. Well, you got the uh, you got the you got the Washington job right, so I'll I'll trust you. <laughs> I got you. Well, appreciate it, Jeff. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you. Yes, sir. He's Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X columnist. At the Daily Memphian, also Jeff Calkin Show, 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, Oxbow's a family-owned and operated retail store in Memphis that's been making waves for over a decade. Make sure you get to that two-story storefront, 964 June Road, off Poplar on June Road, behind the Amico Station. When you get to that two-story storefront, you can pet A-list celebrity Earl the dog, and you'll be met with a kind and courteous staff that will show you uh, to to whatever you need to see. Uh, there's clothing there. They have the best brands. Uh, they have Genteel, Free Fly, Fair Harbor, Duckhead, Mizzen, and Maine. They have hunting and outdoor essentials. They have coolers, cups, koozies for you for if you're a uh, a game day guy or, or, or gal and you want to uh, uh, show your brightest on game day. Um, they have vintage vinyl. They have sports memorabilia for the diehard fans. Get over to 964 June Road off Poplar on June Road behind the Amico Station and visit Oxbow today. And if you don't want to show up to that beautiful two-story storefront, I will always suggest that you go in-store. You can go online and buy just about everything that they offer in-store online. Shopoxpo.com is where you can find them online. And when you go to, uh, you know, add a few things to the card, you, you like what you see, and you go to check out, I can give back to you because I have a promo code for ShopOxbow.com. That promo code is The Gabe Show. All caps, no spaces, The Gabe Show at ShopOxbow.com. And you'll get 20% off your online order. But whether you're going online or in store to 964 June Road, remember to shop local, shop Oxbow. Now, we have a treat. We have to talk a little bit of Texans and a little bit of NFL divisional round playoffs with my man DJ Bienname. He is the Houston Texans reporter for ESPN. So we'll go ahead and get to that next.
guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. The Houston Texans have been one of the talks of this NFL season. The turnaround they've made, they didn't have a win total very high. They blasted through that, won the AFC South, went 10-7, and and then ultimately that led them to a wild-card weekend matchup against the Cleveland Browns. They won handily 45-14, had a couple of pick sixes. Has to be fun in Houston right now. So we go to Houston, we talk with DJ Bienname, the Houston Texans reporter, for ESPN, DJ, what's happening, man? Are you tired yet? By the way, every time I look up at this studio TV, you're on it. I'm very tired. <laughs> I'm very tired, man. I'm very tired, man. But you know, you got to keep pushing on through, man. I'm not the one actually out there having to go and put my body on the line. I just got to use my mind a little bit more than you know I would like to at times. But I'm good, man. You know, just keeping on going. Yep. Now, um, I, I think we know, and I can pinpoint exactly what has, has sort of facilitated this turnaround. One, yeah, D'Amico Ryans, we'll get to him in a second, but C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's unbelievable. Um, uh, we're talking about a second pick overall, a guy who through the, the pre-draft process, it felt like everybody was doing everything they could to down him. The S2 cognition test wasn't good enough. Oh, we don't know. Ohio State quarterbacks never turn out to be anything. Well, this guy has turned out to be something. And in that wild card game, we're coming off a performance that was just phenomenal. 16 for 21, 274, three TDs, no INTs. He played so well that Davis Mills got to get some run. What do you see from C.J. Stroud in his early career that you think has facilitated this success? Um, he's really calm under pressure um, and clutch moments. I think that's the biggest thing. I think he has uh, – he's top 10 in passing and yards, passing yards when under pressure. Um, he can navigate that really well and be able to keep his eyes downfield and still make things happen. Um, I think that's one of the more bigger reasons because, you know, a lot of quarterbacks can look good when, you know, everything around them going well. It's more about when things aren't – the play isn't, isn't executed the way – well, it isn't drawn up the way that the OC thought it would be. Um, mm-hmm. And can you, all right, make something happen in that moment? And he's been really good at that. And when he's on schedule, he's really good on schedule. So I think it's, those are a few of the things. Obviously, he's a phenomenal leader. He gets tired of guys to really buy into him and galvanize guys. He connects with guys across the league. Not the league, we're across the team. That might be a practice squad guy or if you're a uh, his best left tackle. Right. He can everybody. And I think that gives people confidence. Because, you, you know, you played football. Obviously, I played right. football. You were at a much higher level. I ran track at Louisville. Like, you know, we can tend to be delusional for the guys that we really like, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're really good, that makes it even better. Like, but how can, cause like, how many times did you kind of overrate a teammate because you really liked him? Right. You feel me? And I think that the fact that he's actually extremely talented and people really like him only increases the confidence around everybody. For everybody regarding CJ, and it makes them want to go play better because they really believe in this dude beyond the fact that he can whip it around. But they, he's also relatable. He can connect with everybody. So that automatically elevates everybody's confidence and belief yeah. on the team. 
Yeah. Now, when you talk about the leadership quality, I think it gets missed a lot with like rookie quarterbacks. Like they have to learn how to deal with pros. They have to learn when to speak up, how to speak up, what type of tone to use. From following this team and seeing CJ from the beginning, when did that start to click, the leadership quality? Was it day one or was it, you know, week three, week four when people started to realize, oh, this kid has it? Uh, I would say probably probably towards the NOTA going into a mandatory minicamp or a little bit after that because he flew out his teammates to um, he flew out his teammates to L.A. so they could throw. Obviously, pay for everything, things of that nature. So he was already showing some of that leadership ability and leadership skills. And then, um, so he was showing that. And I think it continued to grow throughout training camp. There were days where, you know, if the offense wasn't looking the way it needed to be, you'd rally them up and be like, hey, we got to do better. I think someone told me about that happened the week they were going to go play the Saints. We didn't get to see those practices because um, it was no longer a joint practice and they did turn the regular season action in the regard of availability. So we were only getting to see them for like 20 minutes and then we'll go inside. They were basically kind of preparing for week one at that point. Um, so we didn't get to see that in person, but I remember a player telling me about that. And again, it continued to grow week after week. Um, again, you know, week five, yeah, we fought against the Atlanta Falcons. Just having the leadership tell Donald Schultz, like, hey, they're really jumping this big route that we like to run with you. Right. Because at that, at that time, through the first five weeks, like, CJ Stroud was towards the top in terms of throwing passes over the middle of the field. And Jesse Bates was doing a really good job of jumping those throughout the game. And then he was like, hey, you know, you're going to fake the dig and then take it upfield and we see us score a touchdown on the last drive. Boom, touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he wasn't able to hold it down the rest of the game, but it happens. It happens, obviously, but I think just throughout the season, his leadership has grown, and I think a lot of people, it's a cliche, obviously, but I think people minimize how much that matters. Right. right? That truly matters. I was just actually reading an article the other day from the Inquirer, just talking about Jalen Hurts and some of his leadership qualities, but like how his stoic personality sometimes can be off-putting a little bit, mm-hmm. um, where it doesn't. When things are going bad, it, it's hard for for the troops to rally around Jalen because he kind of has the same expression the whole way. You know what I mean? Um, which is kind of explains why. Not explains the whole thing because there's some philosophical issues from from the offensive and defensive end that has caused their collapse. Mm. But with CJ, like you see a drastic difference where guys rally around him because there's no reason why. There's not that many reasons why. The Browns played the Texans week 16. They thwarted them. They're up 36-7 at one point in the fourth quarter. And then they face each other again, this time with C.J. It's 45-14. Right. You know, and obviously C.J. ain't catching two interceptions in the second half and and go score those for six. But, again, I think there's a confidence level like, hey, while we haven't even come up plays, we got a quarterback on our side that's going to be able to give us what we need so we can get this win. Now, we, we, what we do with quarterbacks in the NFL can be tiring at times, you know. <laughs> when we when we rate them and we and we just uh, micro analyze everything about their game, but when you have a, a rookie quarterback like C.J. Stroud doing what he did this year, immediately you, uh, there was MVP conversations at one point. There's top ten, top five quarterback conversations. Um, do you think we should shy away from any of those with, with C.J. Stroud? Or or is this the guy we're seeing this year who you think we'll see for the rest of his career? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, top 10, easy. Like, 
you can make whatever list you got to make. You just got to make sure he's in it. You know what I mean? Like, it don't really matter um, for the most part who's, you know, in that list. As long as CJ's in it, he's in it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's going to continue to progress. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see an MVP eventually right. in his career. Like, I'm, I, don't even think, I don't even think that's a hot take. Like, for a quarterback right. to look as he looked year one, like, MVP is always on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, with a guy like that, right? That's why we think that, you know, Joe Burrow can win MVP or just Herbert can win MVPs because we saw from them their rookie years. Um, and I think that, you know, this trajectory, he, he, as long as he, it's funny, I talked to my editor a few times, as long as he doesn't, like, hopefully he doesn't plateau. Right. Like, similar to, like, how Dak kind of did his rookie yeah. year, where that looked great. And then, like, the next year and a half, it was kind of wonky. But then he picked it back up once he got Amari and he, turned to be the player that he is now, but obviously Dak's rookie year, people thought like this was going to be easily a top three type of guy, top five type of guy consistently. And obviously it was kind of more up, not up and down, but more on that like eight to 12 range. But I think with CJ, we're going to see more like, eventually being a successful top five guy, um, mainly because I think another thing that goes under discussed is like his, his, his mental toughness, Mm-hmm. And it, like he's like, we, I don't know, we throw out the cliche, like, this guy's a dog. Yeah. Like, nah, he is legitimately like a dog. Like, when you watch him play, like, there's time where he's staring down the barrel, barrel of a guy coming down to try to, like, you know, put that hit on him, and he's still going to throw the ball down the field, like the one mm-hmm. that Nico. Like, the two passes that Nico the past two weeks, right? Yeah. The one that Nico down, you know, for, like, 40 yards that when Nico beat Greg Newsom, and they got to, like, get to the five and end up scoring Paired with the one previous for the touchdown to Nico against the Colts, 75 yards, he got hit on both of those throws, and he was still able to get it down the field. Some quarterbacks might get gun shy, they might check it down, or they might turn it back. Now, nah, this guy, if he's trying to throw it deep, it don't matter if you're coming out of him, he's going to let it rip. Yep. And it's going to get the – because some quarterbacks might try that, but the ball going to look like a punt. Yes. And he still can generate the velocity to get it where it needs to go. Yep. Talking with DJ Bienname, he is the Houston Texans reporter for ESPN. What can you tell me about D'Amico Ryan's and, and his leadership style? Because I, I look around the league and it seems there seems to be a shift um, with Antonio Pierce potentially being hired by the Raiders. We have Dan Campbell doing what he's doing with the Lions, putting in that culture. I think D'Amico Ryan's fits that mold of you know former player did it at a high level is a football guy, but people had their reservations about how he would look in a head coaching role. Um, but it feels like football guys are up. Football guys are up, especially in the head coaching ranks. What can you tell me about his leadership style and what he's done to, to sort of uh, facilitate this turnaround? I think he's made it really clear that, like, he's a former player, right? And, like, he, he shows that, um, like, he shows that consistently that, hey, I was a former player. Like, and he, he knows what works for players because what helps D'Amico the most is he played, okay, obviously he came in the league, I think, I want to say 05, 06, I think it was 06, actually. Um, but he played through 20, I want to say, I think his last season, like 2015. Mm-hmm. I know he played with Chip Kelly. He played under Chip Kelly. Right. But not here or there. He's played with the old school, some of the old school and new school. Right, you think about it, like he played against Robert Woods. Robert Woods is on his roster. He played against Robert Woods, so he's played with that new era of players. So he knows how to connect to them. Yep. Oh, for the, for the most part, 
So I think where that's shown up the most is his positive attitude, right? Like, we all know, as again, like you and me being former athletes, the best people to be around are the positive folks, right? Yeah. Because day in and day out, it's a grind. The last thing you want to be around is a negative Nancy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's always pinpointing everything he's doing wrong. Da 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 da. Now, granted, like there's time for constructive criticism, but they always pinpoint everything wrong, and they're always like, "Oh, we ain't gonna be able to do this, we ain't gonna be able to do that." You don't want to be around it. That's bad body because you and I both know, like, so much of sports is psychology. Must be an athlete psychology, right? If you can get the, an athlete in the right mental space, you're gonna get the best version of him, and that's what he preaches through positivity. He's always uplifting his guys. He always has a smile on. He's always bringing that energy. And I think that that's shown through week after week when things do get a little tricky where the game is a little tight. You have that guy on the sidelines that is breathing positive energy into right. everybody. We all know just like just like how negative energy can um, obviously spread faster, positive energy it, can, can spread almost as fast, but it has lo- longer longevity, right? Right. It has way longer longevity. You, you get into your mind, and I can, I, I believe in this. I really believe in this. Things of that nature, and I think that's one of the biggest things for him as a head coach when it comes to leadership and things of that nature. Obviously, like you know, go actually know yada yada yada. But I think the positivity aspect is the one that has jumped out the most. Yeah, and and like people always say, let the praise be as loud as the disrespect. I think that rings true with a lot of coaches. Like the best coaches I ever had, that was always. The truth. When you're doing something right, you need someone to step up and tell you you're doing something right. When I'm doing something wrong, you can hop. You, you, you can you can get after me a little bit. But at the same time, when I when I fix that thing, I ultimately I think a lot of players respond to that positivity as well. Now, uh, last thing for you, I think a lot of people are counting the Texans out of this game against the number one seed in the Ravens, likely MVP Lamar. Um, but I heard Dan Orlovsky today on NFL Live. I thought it was pretty interesting. He went through a lot of the film as he normally does. It was a 25-9 to week one matchup that they played, and they lost, the Texans did, against the Ravens. But he made the case that, you know, defensively they were locked in. They, they had some things that they did correct. Um, you can't just look at the final score and assume that this game's going to go that way. How do you feel about their chances to at least uh, give the Ravens a run for their money this weekend? Yeah, I think they got a shot. They just got to, um, like, they, they they have to keep it competitive um, in the first half, right? Like, right. you can't let this team jump out. Because mm-hmm. then I find uphill battle the whole way. I would say that, because it's funny, like, when they play week one, the the score at halftime was seven to six. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, and they were able to keep it close. And obviously, some turnovers is what did them in. But obviously, both teams are vastly different. Like Dan made a, you know, he was showing some really good film, things of that nature. But like, it's hard to use week one film for stuff because like the Texans were really bad at limiting Gardner Mitchell in week two against the Colts. Right, they're really bad at that. And they they limited the run game, and then the week eighteen was flipped backwards. Like Gardner Minshew was a was a pumpkin, and Jonathan Taylor looked like Emmett Smith. Yep, and Barry, and Barry Sanders. So like you know, I try to be kind of cautious with the um, with the week one, week two stuff. But their linebackers did play very well in that game. Again, it just it's just week one, week two. These teams are vastly different. Um, like he was showing some love to Denzel Perryman. Like Denzel, Denzel, Denzel is literally only on the field on like. You know, run uh, uh, early downs now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like it's really Christian Harris and Blake Cashman now. 
that get the majority of the snaps in that regard. Like, obviously, Denzel gets out there. But, you know, just those little things. I think that they, they if they can not turn the ball over, um, get the run game going. Run game is going to be so vital yep. in this game. Mainly because, again, like, if you're going to drop back and pass the ball. Actually, did you know the last quarterback to throw for over 300 yards against this defense was Tom Brady, <laughs> October 27, 2022? That's nuts. Like, this defense is legit. Like, like you're not going to be able to, like, just drop back and throw all game long. Like, you're going to need to have some balance. So you could be in favorable situations. Um, uh, and I think if they can get the run game going, Obviously, limit the Ravens' run game. I think they got a shot. I, I like I like their uh, secondary against their the Ravens receivers. Now linebackers, well, I mean linebackers, take these against their tight ends. That's another discussion for another day. Yeah, I hear you. Well, DJ, I need you to get some rest, my man. You've been all around. You've been on Sports Center. I've seen your face all day. Um, so so get you some rest, and uh, hopefully we can talk here again soon. All right, no problem. Appreciate you. P, uh, pick your poison. Yes, sir. Shout out PYP. Good old group <laughs> chat. Good old group chat. But that's DJ BNMA on X at DJ BNMA. Um, he is Houston Texans uh, reporter for ESPN. Now, we need to go ahead and get a quick break. And when we come back, we will get to small talk, and then we'll get into the third hour. That's next right here on the Gabe Coon Show. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now, it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Coon Show. And Small Talk is brought to you by Conway Services, reputable service available seven days a week. I've been sitting on this one for a second, but with all the cold weather, we had the Weather Channel come in uh, over the weekend and in the uh, the early, uh, the, the first few days of the week. And Jim Cantori made it here. Um, from the Weather Channel. And the story there is that he was staying at the Memphian Hotel. The Memphian Hotel is at 21 Cooper Street. And around 3 a.m., it turns out that four vehicles got broken into, including Jim Cantori, in his one-day stop here in Memphis. Also, among those that were uh, that were broken into, we had uh, Action News 5's meteorologist Spencer Denton. He was also a victim. Um what does it say about this? It's sad. That's very sad. One day you stay in the city and you get broken into and you have to deal with that um, before you head back and, and go to wherever the Weather Channel is stationed. Um, but also my other thought was we, we couldn't get it. The Weather Channel couldn't pony it up and get him at the Peabody and put him in a garage where, where you could avoid some things like that. Those were my, those were my two prevailing thoughts. My thought was you have to be a psychopath to be breaking into cars when it's that one degree we, outside. Uh, that like, is a good hell? point. What the hell? That's a great point. You have to be Truth. in a different state of mind to be breaking into cars when it's 12, 12 degrees and under. I will say that. That's, a, that's something. But we have a third hour on the way. No more negative. No more negative. Maybe a little bit on the Grizzlies front. They will be in action on the road against the Timberwolves tomorrow. So Eric Hasseltine, play-by-play voice for the Grizzlies, joins next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.